it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get A through it. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. The text of the Constitution makes clear there is no January exception to the impeachment power. That presidents can't commit grave offenses in their final days and escape any congressional response. That's not how our Constitution works. Judgment, in other words, the bad thing that can happen, the judgment, in cases of impeachment, i.e. what we are doing, shall not extend further than removal from office. President Trump no longer is in office. The object of the Constitution has been achieved. He was removed by the voters. It's no wonder that President Trump would rather talk about jurisdiction and a supposed January exception rather than talk about what happened on January 6th. Make no mistake, his arguments are dead wrong. They are distractions from what really matters. The Senate can and should require President Trump to stand trial. But there isn't a single one of you who, A, doesn't consider yourself a patriot of the United States. And two, there isn't a single one of you who doesn't consider the other 99 to be patriots of the United States. And that is why this attack on the Constitution will not prevail. At the end of the day, this is not just about Donald Trump or any individual. This is about our Constitution and abusing the impeachment power for political gain. We cannot have presidents inciting and mobilizing mob violence against our government 
in our institutions because they refuse to accept the will of the people under the Constitution of the United States. Much less can we create a new January exception in our precious, beloved Constitution that prior generations have died for and fought for so the corrupt presidents have several weeks to get away with whatever it is they want to do. History does not support a January exception in any way, so why would we invent one for the future? Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. That was, uh, we opened up with some excerpts from the uh, Senate debate leading up to their vote Tuesday on the constitutionality of uh, whether or not they can hold uh, a trial against a a former president uh, in the Senate, uh, an impeachment trial. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this hour. I have some more sound bites. later probably at the end of the hour from yesterday's uh, presentation by the House impeachment managers. Um, but we're going to talk about uh, about the implications of uh, the Senate impeachment trial, the constitutionality, etc. with constitutional law professor from uh, Western Michigan's uh, Cooley Law School in Tampa uh, and our go-to guy for all things constitutional, Brendan Beery he joins me by phone. Brendan, welcome to the show. As always, hi, hi Tom. How are you doing? Happy to be here. Um, have Have you been? I, 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 this is a dumb question because you've probably been glued to it like I have been. But have you been watching uh, the events unfolding in the in the Senate the last two days? Yes, uh, as much as possible. I've had to miss an hour here and there, um, but uh, but I have I have watched uh, much of it. And uh, I think like most people who have watched it, it's pretty harrowing to sort of relive uh, what happened on January 6th, but not just to relive it, to see, to see it in, in much more detail than we saw uh, when it was happening. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been watching. I know. I watched a lot of the stuff that happened in real time. And, of course, uh, yesterday, and, and I, I don't think they did it as much uh, on Tuesday, when they were debating the constitutionality, they did have a what a thirteen-minute video presentation, right. a compilation of the events of January sixth, um, and and for people who've maybe been living in a complete bubble, um, we're talking about the impeachment trial of Donald Trump in the U.S. Senate, and it is a follow-up to the impeachment um, last month by the House of Representatives against Donald Trump while he was still president. Um, but yesterday they showed some images that we did not see watching it unfold live uh, from uh, security camera footage in the Capitol building itself. And we saw some angles and perspectives that we had not seen. We saw uh, uh, police officers' uh, body cam footage right. that we didn't see until yesterday um am i right to be suspicious of video um evidence um it's 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 an interesting question i mean um it's i i think uh it's it's always good to be suspicious of um visual memory um 
you know, people people routinely think they saw something that they didn't see. Uh, on the other hand, you know, video evidence. You know, when when we when a lawyer is trying to make a case, you have two kinds of evidence. You have direct and circumstantial. Uh, direct evidence is what you you know see and hear uh, with your own eyes and ears, um, or you know, some uh, eyewitness testimony, for example, uh, would be direct evidence. A paper a trail. Confession. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the smoking gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's direct. But uh, circumstantial evidence is the other kind of evidence. Uh, you know, and that's that's evidence from which we draw uh, reasonable inferences. You know, if 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 everybody, uh, you know, if you're at the front desk of a building and everybody who walks in is wet, you know, it's a reasonable inference. <clears throat> you don't see it raining out, right? So you don't have direct evidence that's raining out, but that's uh, circumstantial evidence, and so. Generally, lawyers prefer direct evidence to the extent possible. <clears throat> That's why you're going to see all this reliance on, on video evidence, because that would be considered direct rather than circumstantial. Um, and I think uh, also, but you know, I, I think to your question, one of the things to keep in mind about video evidence, and, and it's certainly, you, you mentioned the body cam uh, footage, um, you know, that that kind of evidence can play on people's emotions. Uh, obviously, it certainly certainly played on mine. You know, and I oh, I I agree, that. and and that <laughs> yeah. was probably I trusted those images uh, more than most because what happens I think with video evidence, Brendan, and and you know, hear me out on this is mm-hmm. that you can take a a, a video scene of thousands of people gathered around the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And then you show 50 people breaching the Capitol, and eventually the caption becomes, thousands of people breach the Capitol. Right. Right. And and so, um, you know, it's it's easy to make things seem bigger than they are, and I don't want to underplay what happened because it is big. Right, but I, I'm 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 just the 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 question remains, you know, is is it a good idea to be just a little bit suspicious, just a little bit skeptical, of the video evidence, and and actually hear what the congressmen and senators have to say themselves, having lived through it. Right. Yeah. It's uh, that's interesting too. I mean, yeah, I absolutely agree. When you look at evidence, you have to be rigorous uh, about uh, you know what what evidence establishes what. Um, you know, and I, uh, you know, it looks to me from the video evidence like there was a very large crowd that was worked up. Certainly, agreed. Um, yeah. The last, yeah, <laughs> the last number I heard, um, and I, you know, I can't obviously. You know, this is not something I have direct knowledge of, but uh, last number I heard was about 800 that people they're looking at uh, for actually breaching the Capitol. Um, so, uh, you know, so yeah, so law certainly law enforcement has to parse out, uh, you know, who who was trespassing and who was <laughs> who was going much further than that. Um, uh, but I, 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 you know, it's uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's hard to, you know, when you see images of, of people actually in the chambers, uh, especially in the Senate chamber, uh, you know, one of them wearing horns and fur and, you know, this kind of ridiculous caricature. Uh, 
yeah, it's just hard not. It's hard not to look at that, and but for, we, from my mind, just disbelief. Right? Yeah, well, we we saw lots of uh, lots of images of the so-called shaman, and, right? And um, is that really representative of all of the people that were there? Right. Um, right. But yet, you would think so because we see so, him, you know, portrayed so many times. Um, right. As when I'm, whenever I'm watching video, I I can't help, you know, having this this uh, nagging recollection of watching Wag the Dog. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that movie? Yep, yep. I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Um, well, essentially, a, a Hollywood filmmaker is hired by a political group to make it appear as though America is at war with another country. And right. through video, it's it's completely convincing. And, and the war actually, I think, happens, or at least the, the vote they were trying to get is accomplished um, because of essentially misinformation. And I'm not saying that the, the information presented by the House impeachment managers uh, presenting their case uh, for impeachment conviction to the Senate um, were engaging in misinformation. There's enough of that already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, un- the unfortunate difference is that this video appears to be real. So. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and the other thing right. is is that we, we did see, um, and I'm talking about collectively the, the whole country, but, but certainly the uh, well, and not so much the the participants, but we did see the events of January sixth unfold in real time. If we were near, uh, you know, a TV right. set. Yeah, and um, in fact, the the networks and the, the cable shows did not broadcast Donald Trump's speech live. Uh, uh, but I watched it on YouTube because <clears throat> I wanted to see. That's this was the speech he started giving at noon on January sixth. And uh, and that, that was interesting to be on social media at that time, too, because, uh, first of all, I was watching his speech, and uh, I've, I've told people now, my, my conscious thought when I was watching that speech was, I hope the Capitol Police are ready for this. I was shocked by what I was hearing. Um, I thought it was clear. This, this, I, I thought I was going to tune in and hear him ranting and raving, uh, you know, uh, you know as sort of like he does on Twitter uh, or used to do on Twitter. Um, but when I tuned in and listened to him, it was clear to me uh, very, very early in his speech, this was a very dangerous uh, situation. Um, at the same time, uh, in real time, people were on Twitter uh, announcing that already the outer, you know, the outer perimeter of the Capitol had been breached uh, uh, during during uh, the time when Donald Trump was speaking. Uh, so yeah, when you're you're watching it in real time, it kind of unfolded, and and I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's no surprise. That's no surprise, right? Given right. What I'm hearing. Well, um, I, uh, Brendan, I have to take a break here, but I want to get into the uh, constitutionality because the sure. the Senate, of course, voted on Tuesday that it is in fact constitutional, but I'm not sure uh, if I'm comfortable uh, relying on Senate to the Senate to make that determination. <laughs> so I want to get your thoughts. We're going to take sure. a short break. We'll be back with Brendan Beery right after Hello this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties, make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We, uh, we're talking about the uh, uh, the current um, impeachment trial in the U.S. Senate of former President Donald Trump with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery. Brendan, welcome back. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks, Tom. You know, I mentioned constitutionality, and the the piece that I played at the at the beginning of the show was uh, some excerpts from the the debate leading up to the vote in the Senate on Tuesday, and they voted uh, um, what fifty six to forty four in favor of uh, moving forward with the with the trial, um, deeming it to be constitutional. Um, but what about the constitutionality? There's been a lot of talk about that, and we're expecting that the uh, former president's defense team is going to play on that throughout their defense, that right. you know the, the trial shouldn't even be happening because he's a former president. Um, but yet the impeachment was done while he was still a sitting president. And the, right. um, and, and the charge, the, the charge of incitement uh, to insurrection, happened while he was still president um is is the trial part in the senate attached to the impeachment yes uh because the the trial is right it's an it's the the trial of the impeachment um and uh you know it's uh this probably sounds like an unsatisfactory answer but actually and it's interesting your 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 comment before the break was uh you know the, the comfort level with having Congress decide what's constitutional. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. that's, that's and, kinda, and, yeah, kind of not in their job description. That's right. And, and that's exactly right. So normally that absolutely, and as a lawyer and a constitutional lawyer, uh, you say, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not, not comfortable with that. Uh, however, um, this is the one time, right? So, I mean, uh, the constitution clearly, reserves the judicial function, you know, to the judicial branch, the courts. Uh, uh, and, and there's no question that, a, that an impeachment and a, an impeachment trial um, are at least somewhat uh, judicial type proceedings. Uh, so the, the one exception that the Constitution carves out um, is impeachment and trial of impeachments. Uh, the, the founders did not want uh, these proceedings going on in courts. Uh, they, they actually specifically debated uh, whether it would be okay to have that they're talking about the possibility of a presidential impeachment. Uh, should that be tried in a federal court when federal judges are appointed by the president? Um, so they wanted to sort of remove that possibility by putting it in the hands of uh, one of the political branches, obviously that being uh, Congress. And um, so the constitution says that the house, uh, it is solely up to the house, right? How, when, and whether to impeach. Um, and it is solely up to the Senate to try impeachment. So actually the constitutional answer, and again, every time I say this, people kind of shake their heads, right? It's just not much <laughs> of an answer, but, but um, you know, it, it's constitutional if Congress says it's constitutional when it comes to impeachment and trial. Um, so, uh, that, and, the, and the reason for that is that no court, see the only remedy for that, right? If you, if, if you were going to try to undo what Congress did in an impeachment uh, or an impeachment trial, the only place to go would be to a court. Um, and the Supreme Court itself has said, uh, in, a, in a case involving a, a uh, judge named Judge Nixon who was impeached, um, 
that, that when it comes to impeachment and removal, uh, that that is solely left uh, to the judicial. I'm sorry, to the legislative branch. There is no place uh, for courts uh, involving themselves in that question. Uh, so, so the court has opted out, right? They've just punted and said that we're not getting involved in this. Um, so, uh, so yeah, as a as as a constitutional matter, and a, and you know, in terms of just the bottom line, uh, when the Senate said it's constitutional. Um, for all intents and purposes, that means it is, because there's no way to undo that decision. There's a lot about this uh, impeachment trial that is historic and, mm-hmm. and in some cases unusual. How unusual is it that the Senate is actually playing both the roles of jurors and witnesses? That has never happened. <laughs> Just flat out, uh, you know. That's um, right. I mean, they're they're, they're uh, judge, jury, um, and witness. <clears throat> I mean, judge in the sense that, like like we were just talking about, they're the ones making the rulings, right? They make legal rulings. Um, jury, in the, in the sense that they decide uh, guilt, right, to, to either uh, convict or acquit and uh witness right the, because they're at the scene of the crime um and uh they were there when it happened so uh this has never happened i mean it's um you know and it's also uh you know obviously like we've already discussed it's the first time any president has ever been impeached twice uh it's the uh the first time that a former president uh has been tried um right uh, for an uh, what what the house has uh, deemed to be an impeachable offense uh it's the first time uh that somebody who was president at one time right the trial is being presided over by somebody other than the chief justice uh you know that's an interesting wrinkle as well um it's pat Leahy of vermont is uh presiding over this of course that's it's pretty ceremonial i mean it's not afraid uh you know it kind of just sits there and reads what the parliamentarian tells him to read um <laughs> right uh, you know but uh but that that happened because uh, the constitution you know again it's right in the text of the constitution that when the president of the united states is tried for an impeachment the chief justice must preside um uh, in this case it's and, and again this is what the argument is about it's not the president of the United States. Uh, Joseph Biden is president of the United States, and he's not on trial. So, uh, so that that gave John Roberts an out, actually. Right, if if he didn't want to spend his time uh, presiding over this, he could just sort of say, "Well, I'm not going over there." The president's not on trial; it's the former president. So that's what happened. Um, and so you have Pat Leahy, who's the president pro tem uh, of the Senate. Uh, you know, he's the one. Uh, who's presiding that that leads to arguments as well because you know one of the things that people have heard the president former president's lawyers talk about is due process right uh, i mean due process mm. is basically fundamental fairness right if you just want to think about it that way you know when when the when the government when when some government entity tries to do something bad to you right take something away from you your property your freedom uh you know in some cases you know your life um so when the, when the government does that, it has to be fair about it. It has to give you notice. It has to give you a reasonable opportunity to tell your side of the story. Um, and you are entitled to an impartial decision maker, right, who presides uh, and, and makes uh, decisions. Um, so, so that's one of the arguments is uh, that this trial violates due process. Uh, 
uh, and even that the impeachment itself over in the House uh, violated due process. And the argument is, um, well, you know, there, there was not a sufficient hearing. Uh, the president didn't get to send lawyers over to the House of Representatives to tell his side of the story. Uh, <clears throat> it was rushed. Um, right. Those are all kind of due process types of arguments. Um, once again, uh, well, and, and then over in the Senate, of course, the Pat Leahy issue is what the, uh, Pat Leahy, the senator, again, from Vermont, is not an impartial decision maker uh, because he's a voting juror. Uh, right. And so uh, <clears throat> so uh, notwithstanding all of that, we, you know, uh, and I've, I've talked been talking to my classes about this, too, because there's so many people are so engaged uh, and riveted by this. Um, you always come back to the same answer, which is, well, the, you know, for and in an impeachment and an impeachment trial, uh, due process is whatever the Congress decides it is. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do think it's kind of, um, I, I don't think it's a very strong argument that, that the president was denied due process over in the House. Uh, you know, what the House does uh, is impeach. Uh, and again, all the Constitution says is that the House decides, you know, who to impeach, when and how, and, uh, and whether to impeach. Um, there is no requirement in the, in, the, in the Constitution that there be a, some kind of a hearing over in the House, because, again, the, the Constitution says the trial takes place in the Senate. So there, there's really no due process, uh, you know, uh, type of uh, function uh, over in the House of Representatives. They just decide whether to, to you know, uh, people want to think about an impeachment as an indictment, right? So they're basically the prosecutor deciding whether to charge somebody with an offense, um, and so for that, you would expect them to do some investigating. In this case, there wasn't a lot of investigation needed because, as you just said, they were there uh, when it happened. Um, and that was all uh, on film. The speech was on film. The, uh, everything else was on film, so, and they were there. Um, so, uh, so they sort of did what a, what a prosecutor would do, right? Look at the evidence and uh, file charges. Uh, and then that's really when due process kicks in, uh, right? So over in the Senate, uh, you know, the, that's where you have a, a trial is supposed to be have fair procedures. Now, it's going to be, you know, it's kind of a tough nut to crack here to say that the Senate trial is unfair because the, the procedures were agreed to um, by both Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there and, were a and few that process that process involved on, on Tuesday. They mm -hmm. they settled the question as to whether or not there would be a trial. Right. Um, by voting on the constitutionality of it. And then right. yesterday, the House managers began laying out their case. They will mm -hmm. continue that today, beginning at noon. And then the uh, president's defense comes in. Do they have two days as well? They do. Um, and there's been some chatter about that uh, because uh, one of the lawyers, uh, 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 Mr. Schoen, uh, is uh, is uh, a Jewish man who's observant uh, and uh, asked uh, not to have to appear uh, between five o'clock Friday and through the day on Saturday. Uh, the Senate agreed to that, um, but since then he's written a letter to the Senate saying, "Go ahead and proceed because there'll be other lawyers available uh, right without me." So apparently he uh, won't be there uh, for part of the weekend, but uh, they're going to they're going to keep doing this. Uh, they're going to work through the weekend. Uh, so, Friday, so yeah, today will be the last day of the opening statement, uh, uh, such that it is, of, of the uh, Democratic House managers. 
uh, and then we move tomorrow and the next day uh, to the president's defense, uh, right their, their opening statement. Um, you know, my understanding, I, I've talked to my classes about this as well. Um, I, I, I don't think that this is subjective. I think uh, that most lawyers who watched the presentation uh, two days ago on the, on the sort of the motion to dismiss on constitutional grounds um, thought that the House managers, uh, who are all lawyers, most of them were prosecutors, uh, did uh, quite a good job. Um, you know, I, I heard a commentator say, at, you know, at the close of that, uh, of the House manager's argument, that they sort of had baked a three-layer cake. And, and I thought to myself, yeah, it's called logos, pathos, and ethos. I don't know if anybody's ever studied uh, philosophy, but a persuasive argument, basically, uh, you rely on right, logic and reasoning. Uh, that's one layer. Uh, pathos meaning emotion, right? Uh, and we talked about that earlier, right? Tugging on the heartstrings, making somebody want to agree with you. Um, and then ethos is, is basically the, the uh, credibility and reputation of the speaker or any sources relied on as it, as it's some, somebody who's reliable. Um, and they really kind of hit all of that pretty hard uh, with their arguments, uh, right? They had their, their constitutional arguments, which they based on originalism and textualism because they were trying to appeal to conservatives, right? They, they've already got the liberals. <laughs> they don't need to appeal to the Democrats. The Democrats are all going to vote to convict. Um, so they're, they're trying to appeal to conservatives. So, uh, they made originalist arguments going right back to the beginning, the founding, the when the Constitution was written. They tried to stick within the four corners of the Constitution, make very textual uh, arguments. Then they showed that 13-minute uh, film that you mentioned earlier, which obviously caused an emotional reaction. Um, and all of the all of the sources that they cited were well-regarded conservative scholars. Uh, so they just really checked all those boxes. Um, then the president's lawyers got up uh and uh, i don't know how to describe that performance I yeah i was i was but, gonna say um you know you're, you're talking about how people have reacted to what a lot of people have said was putting on a pretty good case by lead impeachment manager uh, jamie raskin a democrat from right. maryland um and and his team but then what were the the tenets of Bruce Castor's argument? Yeah, that's the question. <laughs> uh, and I was I was watching that live, um, and uh, you know it, it it struck me uh, immediately that this was not uh, the A team. Um, I don't know what he was trying to do. I think he was trying to be folksy and trying to be funny and trying to connect. Uh, at, on some personal level with the senators, um, it didn't seem like he was getting any kind of uh, well, is favorable it, reaction. Is it good defense strategy to get up and and uh, start out by saying that the uh, the prosecution did such a good job you were changing your strategy? <laughs> no. no, that is not something I would have done. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that had to drive Donald Trump crazy. Uh, and I, I, oh, I suspect it. There are broken things in, <laughs> yeah, I think so. in, in the Trump uh, quarters, right? And, and uh, including at least one big screen television, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just uh, that that was a bad move. Um, 
that you know, and and the presentation was just uh, I, I don't I don't think there's any other way to to describe it but rambling. Um, he also, you know, uh, again the reporting was that one of the reasons uh, that the five lawyers who were going to be Trump's lawyers here uh, left was that uh, Donald Trump wanted them to uh, make the argument he's been making, which is that he won the election. Uh, so I was really, I almost uh, fell out of my chair when I heard uh, Donald Trump's own lawyer say, emphasizing over and over again that he had been voted out. He had lost the election. Uh, um, you know, they, they even went so far as to say, yeah, if, you know, if, if people get tired of somebody, if they're sick of dealing with them, they, you know, they vote them out. Like yeah, he was did. trying I, to I, use I, that to make the case that impeachment was um, uh, superfluous because the people right. had already taken the necessary action of removing the president. Right, exactly. And that they could, that, that if people are worried about uh, Donald Trump running again in 2024, people can just reject him again. But, you know, the, the premise of that was, was an admission that Donald Trump had lost. Um, and that, I thought, was, uh, was something I'm sure Donald Trump told his lawyers not to say. Um, uh, you know, as far as uh, Castor, uh, one of the things he said was actually quite misleading. Um, and, it was, uh, and, and it was in that clip um, uh, that, at the beginning of the show when he says uh, the Constitution says that the remedy is uh, removal from office, and that's it. Uh, he forgot something. Uh, there is a comma after that, right after that, right after it says removal from office, there's a comma, not a period, right? <laughs> and it's, and the next phrase is, and disqualification from holding office again. Um, and and so yet that, they have to take the that, that I want to talk about. but they have to take that in two different votes. That's right. So one vote is convict, uh, right? That's basically a guilty verdict. Um, then, uh, you know, the, the automatic remedy, assuming somebody's in office, right, the automatic remedy would be the, the minimum sentence, if you will, right, the minimum would be removal from office. Um, then there's a second vote on whether to disqualify uh, from future uh, office. And, uh, and so that's the, that's the debate, right? And the uh, Republicans obviously saying he's already been removed, uh, so it's a moot point. Uh, I mean, to the ex to the extent that we're only talking about removal from office, it is a moot point, right? Uh, uh, except that he can get be, be voted back in, right? And that part is not moot, uh, uh, right? So the disqualification uh, uh, vote obviously affects uh, the future. So um, does disqualification so we'll do. um, does disqualification from running for future office? Mm -hmm. Uh, hinge on there being a conviction? That is a really interesting question. Because um, one of the ideas that's been floated, and, I, and there, I, there is no correct answer to that. Uh, so, because uh, one of the ideas that's been floated is could Congress simply declare, it, just pass a resolution, right, uh, through both houses saying they find, you know, whether, regardless of whether he's convicted on an impeachment, that they find that he participated in an insurrection. Because um, there, there's another part of the Constitution in play here. It's Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, uh, which says it was, uh, that's a post-Civil War amendment, right? So obviously they, they had just been through the rebellion. And uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says that anybody who's an insurrectionist, right, is, is not allowed to hold any public office in the United States. Um, so could Congress just pass a resolution saying we find Donald Trump to, right, to be an insurrectionist, 
uh, and thereby disqualify him from ever running uh, again. Um, that's an open question because it's never been, inter again, that's never been interpreted. The Supreme Court's never spoken on that. Uh, you know, when you say somebody who's participated in insurrection, do you mean somebody who's been found guilty in a court? Uh, you know, what, what do we mean by that? Um, so, you know, theoretically, it's possible that Congress could disqualify uh, Donald Trump from, from running again, um, you know, even even without convicting uh, of an impeachment. You know, all very interesting <laughs> from an academic standpoint, uh, very interesting constitutional questions. Uh, and again, we're, we're, we're in new territory here. There's, there's no answer to these questions. It's going to be interesting to see what direction Trump's defense goes in tomorrow when, when they start, because so far it looks like the only case they can make is that the trial itself is moot. Right. Uh, is, that yeah, the only, I mean, is that the only card they have to play? They're going to also argue uh, that um, because Donald Trump said during his speech, he said once, right, and the House managers pointed this out, he said at one point, uh, yeah, peace, we're going to go over there and be peaceful. Uh, of course, that was sandwiched between the, word, the words fight, you know, and, and that kind of thing uh, you know, multiple times. Fight and be but, strong. But they're going to emphasize that. Yeah, fight, be strong, you can't be weak, we're going to go down there, and right, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, so they'll argue that on just a factual basis that he said, you know, he, he did not tell them uh, specifically to go storm the Capitol. I got to tell you, as any lawyer who's been involved in a criminal uh, criminal uh, work uh, has heard that kind of argument before, because, uh, you know, it's, it's very rare that a defendant in a case will expressly say, you know, out loud, here's the crime I want to commit, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, people have coded language uh, that they use uh, to communicate. So I don't know how far that's going to go. Or, you know, obviously we're not talking about a court of law here, so that, that, may, that may fly. Um, he's also going to claim First Amendment protection, uh, that uh, he was engaged in political speech, and political speech is protected by the First Amendment. And by definition, right, so First Amendment protected speech cannot be the basis for uh, conviction, uh, the there is definitely a constitutional problem with that argument the, that being that courts have repeatedly said incitement is not first amendment speech <clears throat> you know that's basically like yelling fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire um you know that's that that a speech loses its first amendment protection when it involves that kind of uh, palpable harm uh so those are the other arguments that it'll make i i think though that you're right i mean those uh, what can i say to my mind, looking at this, those those strike me as exceedingly weak um, arguments. The best argument they have is the is sort of the procedural argument, the constitutional argument that is already out, um, or that Democrats haven't been fair. Right? Uh, you know, you're starting to hear some rumblings about that. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, I saw a quote from a senator from Indiana uh, this morning who said, "You know, the presentation by the House managers has been, uh, I think the word he used was riveting." Uh, and compelling. Uh, and then, of course, the follow-up question is, so is that changing the way you're looking at this? And <laughs> his answer was, you know, he says, well, if the whole thing was flawed to begin with, right, uh, it will be hard to, so that's the, what they're going to hang their hat on, right, the people who vote right. not to convict. Hey, Brendan, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what happens next, but I have to take a short break here. 
Uh, can you stick around for a few more minutes and we'll talk a little bit more? Sure. All right. We'll sure. be right back. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The 
TomSumnerProgram.com First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Tom Sumner Program. We're talking about the uh, Senate impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery. Brendan, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. We, we just have a few minutes, and you mentioned the uh, senator from Indiana who said uh, that the evidence uh, that's been presented so far by the House impeachment managers was very uh, compelling, but yet he wasn't changing his vote. However, uh, Senator Bill Cassidy did on Tuesday change his vote. He had voted that this right. was not constitutional and then changed his vote. Um because this uh, presentation by the House impeachment managers has been so compelling, why don't do you think there will be more Bill Cassidy's? I don't know. It doesn't really sound like it, um, you know, from everything I'm hearing and reading. But um, you know, I I think it, I don't think that Democrats at this point think they're going to get 67. Of course, there's a two-thirds requirement right for a conviction, so um, they would, you know. They had 56 in the last vote, like you said, and 55 in the first vote, 56. So they, so it moved by one. Um, they would need to add 11 more to that, uh, right, to get uh, a conviction. Um, I, I suspect they might get, you know, a couple more. I, but I'm, I'm just wondering, for a lot of these senators, because they were, because they, you know, adjourned the meeting that was happening on January 6th, the, the certification of the Biden election by the, the Electoral College, they were, they were dismissed and went to basically places to hide while these people mm -hmm. were breaching the Capitol. And I think that, that now they're probably not seeing these images for the first time. But they're certainly seeing them from a different perspective than they had on January 6th. How can they not be moved by the danger that they personally were in? Yeah, that's certainly the picture. That that was the theme yesterday was uh, the danger that they were in and escaped. Um, and it's 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 hard to say. I mean, you know, I mean, there are really only uh, two ways uh, you could look at this and say. Uh, that that a conviction is not warranted. One is what we've been talking about, uh, which is uh, that um, this whole thing is unconstitutional. It's, it's a moot point. And the second would be if you really believe that Donald Trump didn't cause it. Um, you know, that's. Uh, I mean, if if I were a senator and I thought this mob was acting on their own, uh, the president did not cause this to happen. Uh, you know, that these just kind of a, a wild mob that started behaving like animals, uh, you know, uh, on their own and attacking police officers and, and all that, then I would say, you know, he's then it's not, uh, it's not, you know, it's not his fault. Uh, I'm not going to convict him. Um, in, in the law, you know, and, and you, you may have heard this, there's a lot of lawyers kind of talking about this, uh, talking heads talking about this. Um, we have a test called but for, uh, Right. One of, one of the tests of causation, right, whether whether somebody caused something um, is uh, but for that person's conduct would the result have happened. Uh, and so you're going to hear Democrats talking about that a lot, uh, right, that there's no way this would have happened 
but for not just the, the speech that the president gave on uh, the 6th, but his summoning the crowd to the Capitol. I don't think it's disputed that he wanted people to come to the Capitol and be there on January 6th. He said it was going to be wild. Um, all of the uh, you know tweets and, and speeches leading up to it, where he said this, this uh, election has been stolen from you. Um, I think it's pretty clear that that you know, if the president, um, I don't know, sometime around November 7th had said, I can, I can see Joe Biden's the president, uh, let's move on, this would not have happened. Um, but there's another uh, uh, idea in the law that, that but sometimes uh, courts will say, but for cause is not enough. Not only do you have to be a cause of what happened, you have to be the driving cause, right? The, they, we call this proximate cause, the, the closest, uh, most immediate cause. Uh, before liability uh, attaches, and, and so, it seems uh, based on things that I've read that that it's um, uh, evidence is is coming out that that there was some conspiracy and coordination by some of the actors themselves that they had intentions right. leading into this. Um, I, I think it's uh, not too difficult to make a case that the president was happy to pour gasoline on the fire. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's what that's one of the things that I thought uh, that I'm a little disappointed in is that there was not more digging in. Uh, of course, you know, the, the Senate, you know, they have the staff. There's only so much investigating they can do. Uh, but we have not gotten to the bottom. Someday there'll be a book written about this and we'll know what happened. Uh, we've not gotten to the bottom of uh, was the, you know, any connections at all between members of Congress uh, right, uh, who might have uh, either known it was going to happen or have actually promoted it. Uh, uh, what you know, the RNC, uh, the White House, the Trump campaign. We don't know, uh, you know, uh, the extent to which any of those entities could have might have been involved. Um, so, so yeah, so Democrats are going to be sort of relying on this but for cause thing, right? He he, as you said, poured gasoline on the fire. He knew it. Uh, he, he knew what was going to happen. He wanted it to happen, and it happened. Um, Republicans are going to say, no, he, you know, uh, he, he may have uh, encouraged it or, or may have been reckless, uh, but he didn't specifically ask anybody to uh, commit insurrection. Um, so that's going to be the fight. It, now, it was uh, pretty compelling, the case that the House managers made yesterday, and they get round two today, starting at noon. Um, is there a second barrel in their shotgun? Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, where they're headed today. Um, you know, there's there's chatter uh, that that there's that they they have evidence that we haven't seen before. Some of it, some of that I assume was some of the video evidence they showed yesterday from you know security uh, surveillance cameras that we hadn't seen. Uh, so I don't know if there's anything uh, else they have up their sleeves uh, today. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of assuming that the fireworks are, are kind of over. Uh, and uh, the, what I'm looking for next is one, once both sides have presented their opening, uh, what decisions does the Senate make uh, about whether to hear witnesses uh, and uh, present other evidence? Um, you know, that... That is one thing people want to want to watch out for. That's going to be a big difference between this trial and the last one. Uh, right when when Donald Trump was impeached the first time, Mitch McConnell was running the show uh, and had the majority in the Senate. 
Uh, so if, if, if Republicans didn't want to hear witnesses or, or evidence, which they didn't, um, that, you know, there was, there was no way for Democrats to overcome that. Uh, in this case, Chuck Schumer and Democrats have uh, 50 votes. They probably have uh, five or six, as, as we've discussed, Republicans with them. So uh, if Democrats want to, uh, you know, call witnesses or present other evidence, they will almost certainly have the chance to do that this time where they didn't the last time. Uh, so that's the next big thing I'm looking for. Okay, well, it gets underway uh, today at noon with part two of the uh, prosecution's uh, presentation, the House managers, and uh, and then tomorrow we'll start hearing from the former president's defense team. Brendan, it's always uh, always a treat, always a pleasure, and thanks for spending this time. I, and I, I imagine we'll be getting together again soon to talk about uh, the defense side of this. It's, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Take care, Brendan. Thank you. Yep, you as well. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. That was uh, constitutional law professor Brendan Beery. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. The Tom Sumner program.com. Colts in session. The Colts in session now. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Stop being that fudge. Cause here come the judge. Don't nobody fudge. Cause here come the judge. Judge Shorty is presiding the day. And he don't take no stuff from nobody. No kind of way. Hey boy, take off that hat. Where do you think you're at? I know where you gon' be if you don't eat my plea. I'm here to tell you.
you pilots get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>